My last word is uh, buy Bitcoin. (laughs) (laughs) Buy Bitcoin. I love it. everyone. Welcome to our next episode of the YPE podcast. Um, I'm Carolyn Luca and here with Mark Heineman. And we are hosting uh, Ryan Fitzgerald and Dan Jasek from Greenflare today. Dan, Ryan, how are you guys doing? Doing great. How are you guys doing? Awesome. We were just chatting a little bit before we uh, started the recording about yeah, working from home and working in different parts throughout Denver. So we're, we're recording this remotely, even though we're all, I think, in the same city. <laughs> Sometimes it's just more convenient, right? It's so. funny the new normal these days. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ryan, Dan, why don't you guys give us a little bit of background about each of you? This is kind of a little bit of a new format to have two folks from a group um, for us on the call. But I'd like to probably just spend a couple minutes talking through each of your backgrounds and familiarize the audience with uh, who you are and how you got to where you are. All right. Um, so, yeah, I'll try and keep it kind of quick here since uh, it'd be good to have Dan chime in as well. Um, so my background is originally uh, in finance, studied finance and economics in school. After school, I went and became a financial salesman. Uh, I was a stockbroker for AXA, AXA Equitable. After that, I became a broker for Charles Schwab, uh, worked as a derivatives broker for a while, got sick of that, moved over and uh, became a landman, worked out in the field, ran title, stayed in really crappy motels. And uh, after doing that for a while, I consulted uh, in-house for a company out here in Lakewood. And I did that for about two years before uh, seizing an opportunity where there was some uh, you know, basically a big broker was going to come in and take a bunch of work. So I decided to start my own brokerage and that was 2012. So that's how I got in the oil and gas business and been doing that pretty much uh, ever since. And uh, we started Green Flare in uh, in Dan's sauna about, uh, I guess, mm-hmm. about a year ago or maybe more. But that's uh, that's kind of my quick background. Nice. Love it. Ryan, you don't look a day over like 26. I, I can't believe that you've had uh, that long of a career already. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. For those, yeah. So that's Ryan Fitzgerald, the CEO of Greenflare, given given his background. Dan, how about you? So I've been in tech basically since my dad brought home our first computer back when I was a kid. Uh, I went to school for computer and electrical engineering at CU Boulder. Initially, I started. Oh, yeah. Go Buffs, baby. Um, I started in web security, did a bunch of uh, work on securing systems, uh, which is great for crypto because, you know, bearer instruments on the Internet are uh, need to be pretty secure. And then I've always been pretty into startups and I worked for a couple of small startups in in, uh, the Denver area until I moved to Google a couple of years ago. I wasn't really in for the super giant megacorps, so I quit there. And then talking to Ryan, uh, decided we needed to do our own startup. And here we are. So I'm curious to know how you two met. (laughs) Um, I was actually roommates with his brother in college. And we ended up moving to the same neighborhood and have been pretty close friends since then for like 10 years now. Big brother or little brother? Big brother. 
Very nice. So you were the the one that he dragged along with you. Yeah. So no, it, it's been no, it's been really funny because Dan was always uh quite the mountain man. He he grew up like in conifer and stuff, and I definitely spent more time in cities. And uh, when I moved down here, uh, you know, Sunnyside, low high area, I was like, Dan, you gotta you gotta move over here. Like you gotta you gotta get out. You need to come down and experience the you know all the all the nightlife and all the restaurants and he kind of dug his heels in but i think he's glad he made the choice yeah he was totally right i was living up at conifer at the time and you know not a whole lot of nightlife up there well thanks for sharing a bit about your backgrounds why didn't you give us an overview of green flare um how you got started where you're at today where are you trying to take the business long term uh, so I guess I'll, I'll start out here. Um, the, the nuts and bolts is we are essentially looking for situations where oil and gas companies uh, cannot economically produce their natural gas. Um, that could be anything from it's completely stranded. They have no market to it, market for it. That could be all the way to maybe they do have a market for it, but uh, maybe they don't have very good contracts. Maybe they're not getting good prices. So when Dan and I kind of hatched this idea, uh, I was definitely thinking more along the lines of, you know, purely where companies were flaring or venting and uh, thinking of more the environmental side. Um, I think that that has evolved a little bit to let's, you know, let's 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 just take the gas and like produce it economically and use it for something. And I think that, you know, ideally, uh, we would like to um, expand from our current our current site where we have a large site that we're using a couple of deployments to expand into different basins, um, things along those lines. But I think that the uh, I think the, the the biggest, I guess, part of this for for us, the learning curve has been that. Um, we don't have to be confined to just one type of situation. Like we don't have to just be out where they're flaring gas. We don't just have to be out where there's a closed plant. We don't have to just find abandoned wells. Uh, it's really a cool model because you can apply it to a, you know, an array of different situations. That's awesome. So you guys are really pivoting perhaps away from just focusing on flare to being more of a full service alternative to a, a midstream provider is that a different way to think about it yeah i'd say that's i would say that's a good way to put it um you know we we want to we want to partner and you know really help companies i guess in some situations mark even uh you know even hedge right you know it's like if this is if this is what they're used to getting and they say hey well these you know these these price fluctuations are great because now we're getting five bucks and we were getting two you know, we can step in and say, hey, well, how long do you think you're going to get five for? Maybe you should lock some in cheaper, you know, that type of thing. Absolutely. And where are you guys in kind of the phase of the business? I mean, early stages, do you have any projects running? Yeah, so we're still pretty early. So uh, we have a team of four. Uh, we have a silent partner. Um, like I said, we're running one large site with two deployments. We're looking to expand. So we have about uh, six different proposals out right now. Um, they're in various basins, uh, DJ, Powder River Basin, Uinta Basin. They're all companies that we're in um, negotiations with. 
So the plan is to um, just scale as quickly as we can. I mean, Dan's been integral in terms of, uh, you know, he, he can be good at pumping the brakes sometimes saying, hey, where are we going to get these machines? How are we going to source this? How quick can we get it here? Um, that type of thing. So that's that's maybe that gives you a little bit of, uh, I guess, um, scope into kind of where we're at. We're still we're still a little guy in the street, but we definitely want to we want to scale. No, that's that's great perspective. Dan, has it been challenging or it sounds like you're more operations and <laughs> being realistic and have to actually, uh, <laughs> as I phrase it, screw things together and make sure that they fit? Um, has it been what's what's the environment been like uh, past couple of months through 2021 and what's kind of your forecast looking forward? Yeah, um, operations is definitely my my focus and also the crypto side of things um, because I've been in the space for a little over five years now. So I kind of have a, a sense for how the market moves a little bit more than um, some other people. It's definitely a very different market than energy, uh, though it has a lot of similarities to to, you know, um, energy and other uh, commodities. And, you know, it's been really interesting. This last year has been a lot different than kind of what we expected or what we, we saw coming in the last four years. So the last four years, it was very clean. We had a very strong pump and a really, um, really exponential growth and then a crash afterwards. And now it's a lot more gradual. We still have a lot of volatility, but it's, we're not seeing, you know, the kind of bubble type pump that we, we've seen in the past few years. So it's, it's helped us because it's given us the ability to kind of get in the market and get in there and buy machines and deploy things before we really get insane growth, which is, which was one of my original fears. Um, so I'm pretty happy we haven't seen that yet. Nice. Yeah. And I, I know of several other companies doing the same thing, right? Crusoe, I think is a shop in, in town. And I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago that TPH put on and they had a whole panel of folks that was thinking or participating in the same business as you guys. So curious, what are your thoughts on kind of how big is this opportunity? Is this something that every oil and gas company could have as a, as a solution? Um, or do you think it's kind of more niche and boutique? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll let, I'll let Dan chime in on that as well, but you know, we're, we're not trying to be, you know, a Crusoe or, you know, we don't necessarily need to be the biggest um, to be successful. Uh, I think you kind of hit it on the head, Mark. I think there is a bit of a niche market for it. However, I think what we're targeting is probably a little bit different in where we see growth. Um, you know, the COGCC reports that there's about 8,500 shut-in wells in Colorado. There's probably 2,900 temp temporarily abandoned wells. Um, of that, you know, 560 are orphaned. There's probably 240 that need to be plugged. So I think there's a huge opportunity there uh, for us, um, for this industry as a whole. Uh, I think there's plenty of room for all kinds of people to come in and get involved in this. And, um, you know, bigger picture, I think you're right. I think I see this being part of an oil and gas company's office. I think that they're going to have to either contract this out to somebody or they're going to have to do it themselves. Uh, I just I just think it, the opportunity is is too substantial. I mean, why? You know, I, I guess if you just look at the economics, it's like if you're going to, you know, you're going to if you're going to have these, you know, P&A liabilities and things like that versus you could have a legacy asset that you could generate um, substantial revenue off of, why not do it? 
And to build on that a little bit on the crypto side, I think we have a pretty um, pretty interesting opportunity right now because of the chip shortage. So it's a lot more. It's increasingly difficult to produce miners right now because you know they can't even produce chips to go into cars and trucks. They can't they can't build miners nearly as fast as the market demands. So uh, that that gives us a lot of stability in what happens with the markets. The the miners that are out there now are the miners that we'll see generally going forward. We're not going to see an exponential growth in miners. So the early adopters that can get in and grab those miners before there's real larger market adoption, I think are going to be the winners in the space. The what other types big of thing, projects are you typically targeting right now and, and how big do you think that can grow? So the projects, I mean, generally speaking, what we're really looking for is we're looking for partners that have, you know, a suitable site for at least, you know, a decently sized unit. If there's room for more units out there, that would be ideal. Uh, but we want, you know, we want basically a, you know, lean, a lean source of gas. The closer to home, the better. I mean, we don't have to, but the closer to home, the better. I want to, I would like to pair with people that have, I guess, maybe uh, an open mind in terms of um, maybe they're not the old school oil and gas guy that's sitting there going, well, what the hell is Bitcoin? You know, I mean, those those are people that are not going to be our partners, probably. So I I think that that like kind of on the 10,000 foot level is what we're looking for. But also, I guess on a on a more down to earth level, I want to find more opportunities where there are wells that uh, companies might be um, intending to uh, just divest of uh, maybe maybe for free. Uh, maybe it's just a liability for them, but something that's producing a steady flow of gas that could be produced, you know, it's like, why not, why not, why not use it instead of just waste it? I love that perspective. Um, and I, I think you're exactly right. I'll, I'll characterize it perhaps a little differently or that you guys are certainly being in the business that you're in, you're bullish and long that crypto is uh, here to stay. Um, it's, it's not a fad. It's not um, something that's going away. And I, I would generally agree. And it, my experience is baby boomers or people that are uh, more seasoned in their career may not understand it. And it's taken a long time for them to um, come around and accept it. But my, my perspective, at least, is that it's here to stay. Do you guys have other comments on how to convince other folks or executives or leaders that might be the begrudgeoned uh, executive <laughs> that, that this is real? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, I think it is here to here to stay. Um, just a quick, I guess, like a short funny story. But uh, my my friend Jason Harms owns a company called Premier Geosteering, and he uh, wanted us to come and give basically like a kind of a keynote presentation on exactly what we're doing, crypto mining out on out on the oil rigs, and he got poo pooed basically by the entire. Important. They said, "Oh, well, that's just a little side hustle, and it's not really here to stay, and that type of thing." And I, I, I just couldn't disagree more. I mean, I, I see a future where this is going to contribute to your company's, in you know, entire energy stack. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be part of um, your entire value chain. It's like, okay, so you, you're going to own, you're going to own minerals, or you're going to own leases, and you're going to own 
surface, you know, you know, your agreements for the service, your operating agreements, surface use agreements, you know, then you get to the surface and it's like, you're going to own your mining facility. You're going to own fuel all the way. And then, you know, who knows what's going to happen in terms of how are you going to own the air? And I guess you could argue that, you know, you already have um, companies that are investing in wind and things like that. But I think it's more of just a value chain proposition where you're going to see companies owning the entire, you know, own the entire stack. Um, and that's, I guess that's my comment on that. I'd also mention that, you know, there's an adoption curve for everything. So, you know, this, this is following a textile adoption curve where you get, you know, early adopters, early majority than, than the, the later curmudgeons and such. And we're still so very early that, you know, these people will come around when they keep hearing about it for years. Uh, you just can't ignore it at some point. And until then, there's plenty of other opportunities out there. I think that's a really great perspective on things. And and maybe let's shift a little bit to the risk side of this. Um, China enacted a ban, and that could be coming to the U.S., maybe. Um, what is your thoughts on that, and how do you think it'll impact the business? Well, I mean, uh, regulation is always a risk. Uh, Politicians do do weird things all the time. Uh, it just depends on what the fad is and what what people are uh, focusing on at any given time. Obviously, we hope and expect that that's not going to happen. I think you know every day that Bitcoin continues to grow and be adopted, it's going to be increasingly difficult for them to enact any serious regulation. You know, we have senators that that are pretty deep in Bitcoin. We have states like Wyoming, Texas, and Florida getting really deep into it. It's becoming increasingly difficult for the feds or anybody to really uh, have a, a major damper on the market. Uh, in mining in particular, I think uh, China is a special case in that they have so much control of their economy and their social aspect of their country that I just don't see that being possible in the U.S. with you know, the, our focus on an individualistic attitude and coming in and saying, you can't do this thing on your land with your own resources seems like a pretty hard sell in this country. Yeah, for the mining piece, absolutely. Do, do you guys perceive regulatory risk or that there might be a real regulatory risk in uh, the federal government or the U.S. making it cost prohibitive? meaning like overly taxing cryptocurrency or enacting regulation that could be detrimental to the industry? Yeah, I would say that's probably the biggest risk. Again, with so many people getting into the space, I think it will be difficult for them to really do anything too damaging. And also, you know, hopefully the kind of gridlock that they have going on right now will continue and it will be increasingly difficult to do anything at all, really. But um, other than that, I think it's definitely a possibility and we're definitely following it. This last round of uh, infrastructure bill work, there was some interesting and spicy applications to the crypto market. And I think it really woke up the market. And there's a lot of uh, money going into uh, lobbyists and other, other ways to kind of help make sure that nothing too damaging really gets, gets out there. Uh, so as a whole, I think there's enough money in the crypto market and there's there's a big enough push that I don't think we're going to see anything too significant, at least in the near future. 
I didn't review some of the details of the bill. What, do you have an example of something that's spicy or interesting? Uh, they they enacted a ruling. So I'm not an expert in this. This is just kind of what I heard. But the general gist is they they enacted a um, a definition of um, what it means to be a business within money transmitting money that could potentially have an application to minors, which would basically be impossible. So it would basically say that minors would have to do KYC AML for anyone that transacts in a block that they mine, which is obviously absurd. And uh, the regulators came out and said, we're not going to use this for the for this purpose and all this sort of stuff. But it was definitely a risk and it scared a lot of people. And it really it, it caused a lot of people to start to wake up to what's going on in the government and in the legislature. And they and Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, but they backed away from that, right? They took that part. Um, no, they moved away from it a little bit. It's still in there. Uh, it's a lot softer than it was originally. Uh, there, there were a number of senators. It was a bipartisan push to kind of remove it from a number of senators, which really shows the um, the support of crypto we have in the Senate. Um, but at the end of the day, there, there's still that bill in there. It doesn't get enacted for two years, I think. So we still have some time to uh, strike it from from the law, but it's still there right now. Something interesting, I'll just add there, kind of previously, but funny enough, it was in the uh, New York Times this morning, right here. Uh, but <laughs> they were, uh, it was an article that was shockingly very one-sided, but it was highlighting all the crypto miners that had moved to um, upstate and western side of New York, and they're, you know, using hydropower. And, you know, I think that that is some very scary regulation. That is a side of business, I guess, I wouldn't want to be in. Um, so I think that's one thing that we have an advantage on, just not only size-wise, but what were, I guess, our power source. Um, not that Colorado is going to be significantly that much better regulation-wise, because it, you know, it's, it's kind of going that way. But I do think that because we are smaller and what we're, you know, how we're getting power is going to be, I think, way more beneficial than, you know, doing these massive, you know, like 150 megawatt deployments where you're firing back up old gas plants and you're trying to, you know, put, you know, put these things, these $500 million projects next to Niagara Falls and stuff like that, where it's like you are under heavy, heavy scrutiny. Uh, and I think that runs way more risk of regulation versus saying, hey, yeah, we have these you know, there's a couple stranded wells out here in eastern Colorado and we're, you know, producing, you know, a couple of Bitcoin off of these things every month. I think uh, that's one of our advantages from a risk perspective. I think we have less risk in that regard. And we have mobility. So if, if anything serious happens in Colorado, we can move to Wyoming or whatever. You know, we're not putting a lot of CapEx in a building that is not mobile. Everything we have has can go on wheels pretty easily. That's excellent. No, that was one of my questions was I'd heard that the projects are scaling up and to really be profitable, you need to be kind of growing with with the space and deploying the larger kind of megawatt or gigawatt scale projects. But it sounds like you guys have identified a niche or think there's still opportunity in kind of the smaller scale or boutique opportunities if you have access to them. So that's I'm excellent. sure I'm sure there's a lot of low hanging fruit in those giant scale projects. 
but at the end of the day, we can move to the source of the energy. So uh, my expectation is in the longer term, we'll end up finding lower costs of energy than you will with those those giant installations. Cool. Guys, do you think that uh, crypto is a good thing for the energy industry and good for the economy? Uh, so on the economy side, absolutely. I think that Bitcoin in the longer term, once we once we scale to the point where the volatility goes down and we get a real a real mature commodity, it will be a, a great signal to to the market for inflation. It's an it's an uncorruptible form of money effectively. It's a way that we can see what the the general market, the changes in the general market, how it's affecting kind of the baseline uh, value for everything across the economy, which, you know, the federal government has been uh, increasingly removing all of the signals that we have, you know, in, uh, interest rates are now highly manipulated. You know, the money supply is is fluctuating massively. It's really hard to get a sense of where the the economy as a whole is moving because we don't have this solid baseline that you know gold might have performed in previous world hopefully in the future uh bitcoin will serve that purpose yeah so i i guess to tag along on what dan was dan was saying and he he can say it i guess a lot more descriptive than i can because i'm not as an early adopter as he is but I definitely think it's good for the economy. I like the idea of, you know, kind of having, I guess, having that finance background and dealing with the insane amount of regulation, especially when I had, uh, you know, clients and customers where I felt like I probably could have done something better for them than what I was technically allowed to do. I like the idea of uh, having a currency that I guess doesn't necessarily have as much surveillance you know, that maybe is just has less control. Um, I especially like the idea of mining, I guess, shifting into kind of what Dan was saying about the, you know, AML and know your customer. The idea that you can you can mine Bitcoin and, you know, create something that you can own that you essentially, you know, created. And, you know, if it's not on an exchange, it really doesn't um, exist. So that's pretty powerful stuff. It kind of be like the old days when, you know, Guggenheim came in and maybe mined a bunch of gold or silver and said, yeah, well, I mined some, but this is kind of what's on the market. This is kind of what's not on the market. So I think from that standpoint, I think it's really interesting. I think that's a good thing for the economy. I don't ever see uh, the dollar going away, but the money printing is um, is terrifying. And uh, I I do kind of view it as a digital gold. I like it as a part of a portfolio and it doesn't need to be huge investment for people, but I think everyone should own a little bit of it. Um, on the energy industry side, I obviously am a fan uh, coming from, you know, my background as a landman. I see uh, all kinds of like opportunities for uh, this industry. I mean, I could see a world where maybe, um, you know, there's even value in the contracts that are negotiated uh, for mining deployments. Um, I guess furthermore, and this is something that uh, if you guys are familiar with some of the other players in this in this space, like like Crusoe and stuff, this is probably not news to you. You know, they harp on this a lot. But um, from an environmental side, I, I see it as 
an avenue that oil and gas companies can take um, to maybe, um, you know, help, uh, I guess, hedge against, you know, their their footprint. Right. So they can say, hey, we you know, we we have deployed these these awesome uh, generators that are 95 percent methane reduction. There are 40 percent CO2 reduction and we don't have all these continuing, you know, bad things that we're going to be doing producing these wells. So I think that's I think that's a huge driver. And I've even heard newer information, depending on what kind of generator you're using and things like that, where those numbers can be even even better. And I and I and I've heard that also pairing it with sequestration and some of these other things that the numbers can be even better than that. So I think it I think it is good uh, on a number of levels. Um, and I wish I wish there would be more discussion in the media about instead of saying, oh, well, you know, Bitcoin eats this much power and, you know, it's taking all this electricity. So that must be bad. And it's like, well, no, you know, it's not it's not we're not just in this like vacuum. It's like you have to think about the you have to think about the entire life cycle. And if there are as if there are, you know, tons of tons of wells out there, like, you know, in Colorado is 8500 that are shut in. It's like this energy is already there. It's going to be produced one way or another. So, what would you rather do with it? Would you rather have Would you rather have something where it's extremely efficient? You have this 95% reduction, or would you rather go over here and say, "Oh, well, we'd rather use it and you know, you know, build a you know, I don't even know, build a you know, multi-million-dollar pipeline and all these things that could go wrong with that in the middle." Um, I think it's a great option. So, and it I think it hits a lot of fronts. So I, I see it as a good thing. No, I love and, that. I love that idea, or I think you guys expressed it as as a hedge against inflation and a hedge against the whims and wishes of a central bank that you have an asset class that is essentially uh, for the long term probably protected against some of those factors. And then, yeah, the environmental piece of having it be a solution that generates value, real tangible value. Uh, for organizations and individuals that is also environmentally friendly or beneficial um, for existing assets, existing oil and gas assets. Yeah, definitely positive. And longer term in the industry industry, I have a hope that our highly mobile consumer of energy will uh, be very advantageous to to deployments of future projects. So if you have a large project you want to build for expected demand that is not yet realized, we can come in and consume that excess capacity until until the natural demand comes up and actually uses it, and then we can move on to the next project. Yeah, and I think that could have more applications, obviously, than just you know oil and gas or wells or things like that. But there's a lot, lot of lot of wasted energy out there. I mean, hospitals waste a lot of energy, for instance. But you don't see anyone talking about that. Yeah, I wouldn't call that a waste. <laughs> So Mark and I actually had a uh, great conversation about this this morning is how do we change the narrative on ESG in the oil and gas industry? Because the industry itself is just framed as this evil, big, scary thing. And there's a lot of things like what you're doing with Greenflare that I think is actually helpful and environmentally friendly and optimizes the use of our resources. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that was the or that was the initial I mean, that was kind of the whole gist when we started uh, was 
hey, this is this is a win-win for both sides. Um, this can definitely be a feather in the cap of a company that will say, hey, we are we are making strides to do this, you know, ESG type things. And this can be one of them. I, I don't think it's the only solution. There's some really interesting things that I saw Exxon was doing. And I think it's going to be part of your portfolio. And uh, as an oil and gas company, I think that it will bring all kinds of not only uh, extra revenue to your company, but it's also going to legitimately help the environment. And there's numbers that can back that up. We have uh, lots of literature, for instance, from our generator partner that shows what we are burning, what we're consuming, and what we are reducing as well. So I think that some of that just needs to be, there needs to be a little bit more push. It would be great to see two sides of the conversation on that instead of just the usual, oh, well, you're, you're an oil and gas company, you have you know, these pits, or you have all this flared gas, or you have all this wasted energy, and you're, you know, you're, you're a bad company. I just don't think it's fair. And I think that Green Flare will help fill that. I think the, you know, the, the Crusoe's of the world will help do that. There's lots of, lots of different applications, but I think that ultimately it's, it's just, it's going to have to happen because we can't just immediately shift to this, pie in the sky rainbow world of, um, you know, electricity is just going to fall out of the sky. We, I mean, unfortunately there's going to be a power gap. So we're going to have to fill it for a while until we can move to these intermittent sources of power. So I think we can definitely, I guess to answer your question, I think we can definitely help, you know, we can provide that literature for companies. We can say they can tout and say, Hey, look, we're, we're using, we partnered with Greenflare on XYZ and this is how much we can quantify. Hey, this is how much gas is, you know, is saved. This is how much less is going to the atmosphere. All these, all these measurables that uh, will, you know, I will probably be quantifiable monetarily that I don't even know about those markets yet, but I'm sure that'll, that'll exist. That's excellent. I love that perspective. Well, Ryan, Dan, what, what advice do you guys have for uh, young professionals in energy other than, I suppose, wearing sunscreen to make sure that you, you stay and look young? <laughs> what's, what's your secret, Ryan? How do, how do you, I mean, I don't know how old you are, but like I said, at the start, you look like you're like 24, 25. What's... <laughs> I, think the, I think the secret is, uh, yeah, stay, stay out of the sun. Make sure you get, make sure you get plenty of sleep uh you know stay out of stay out of office buildings you know that you know that <laughs> you get have is really radiant on there yep uh no uh, so uh career advice i would say is uh you know learn 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 something that's that's valuable learn something that's quantifiable work your ass off excuse my french work your ass off have a really good mentor and look for look for good opportunity and don't be afraid to uh don't be afraid to jump. I'm not huge. I'm brand new to the energy industry, so I don't know a whole lot about that area. But in general, I would say, you know, it's all about the daily grind. It's, you know, moving the ball forward a little bit every day. And then you'll put yourself in position so that you can get those overnight successes. 
I love that. Well, guys, we've talked a lot about kind of risks and opportunities in, in the industry. Is there anything else that you want to leave the audience with before we sign off? I would say I would say thanks a lot for having us. And uh, I, I would say we would talk to anybody and everybody. That's kind of been my mantra. And it's been it's helped me a lot, at least on the brokerage side of my business, doing land work even before I got into doing the ScreenFlare deal. And now doing Greenflare, um, having that network, it wouldn't have been possible. We wouldn't have been able to get out at sites and uh, be able to talk with people that actually own their own companies if we had not done, um, you know, just all that, all that extra networking and saying, hey, you know, don't don't leave any rock unturned. Be be able to talk to anybody and everybody. Don't be don't you know? I guess don't. Uh, don't poo-poo anybody and don't think anyone's too big on the flip side. You can you can do it. You can talk to anybody. So I think that that really has helped is just to expand that network and has given us the opportunity to deploy these uh, these units. That's awesome. I'm proud of you guys. <laughs> My last word is uh, buy Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> buy Bitcoin. I love it. <laughs> Cool. Well, we appreciate you guys' time, and uh, yeah, thanks so much. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Carolyn. Yeah, thanks for talking to us. Good talking to you. Thanks, guys. <laughs>